welcome to the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley, Mitchell & Company. I am your lovely host, Brad Beasley, and with me as always is David. Hey, Brad. How are you doing? Just fine, sir. How are you? I'm doing okay. Doing are, you, right. uh, are you excited for the uh, current uh, you know, Easter, Passover weekend? Yes. Passover is probably one. Yes, know, just because it's a little time off would be nice. And a little time off? Yep. A little okay. time off. And plus, there's all those chocolate and peanut butter bunnies. Everywhere. Why is the bunny? I mean, I know well, that was like a whole South like Park a, episode. Well, it's but... like a pagan thing. It goes back to the pagan emperor, some Roman emperor thing that they were trying to mm-hmm. incorporate into Christianity with the pagan things. And I guess it was like the bunny was the like fertility Easter something. Wow. And you know I, a lot more about this yeah, than I figured. I still you did. like the Jim Gaffigan's one who was like, you know, the day Jesus rose from the grave, how should we do it? How about eggs? Well, what do eggs have anything to do with it? Well, don't worry, a bunny delivers them. what (laughs) well that makes that makes complete sense so you know if you were talking about chocolate and chocolate bunnies i mean that's kind of you know we're okay with i guess eating the chocolate bunny but you know what other chocolate animals would you maybe want to participate in like if there was chocolate uh like you know chocolate cockroaches would be really gross yeah chocolate spiders well i'm i'm a fan of anything chocolate that is shaped like anything else Okay, so you're just more of like a chocolate just, bar. Yeah, like just, just whatever. It doesn't matter what the shape is. It's no. just going to go in my belly. Anyways. Correct. Yes, it's okay. just food. That's always good. That's <laughs> always good. Well, once again, we are Money Podcast, and uh, today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We've got uh, Mika Burrell from Beasley Legal here to talk to us today. Mika, welcome. Thank you for having me. And uh, how's everything going today? Going well. So Mika, um, give us a little background on yourself. Well, uh, like you said, I am an associate attorney at Beasley Legal, so we are just next door to Beasley Mitchell. Um, I started here at the firm uh, last September. Nice. Um, and so far, I've been really enjoying the work I do. We specialize in estate planning, uh, probate, uh, business, and, and that and the like. So. And where'd you go to law school? I went to Michigan State. Those Spartans. Oh, Michigan State. <laughs> nice. They had a good little run in the NCAA basketball tournament. Yes, uh, ended in heartbreak. Um, but you know what? That's okay because now you know I, I live in El Paso, so we're gonna claim Texas Tech losing in the final as a as a victory. <laughs> as a victory for for UTEP. So right. it was about halfway through that national championship where I was rooting for Texas Tech, and then I was like. Why am I rooting for Texas Tech? Do you really want to put up with that <laughs> for the I next really year? Do I really want to deal with Texas Tech in, in, in doing this? Now, for full disclosure, I almost went to Texas Tech, was actually accepted into their architecture program, okay. uh, and was going to go walk on there. And then the day of my recruiting visit, I was there, and the winds were 60 miles an hour blowing in, and uh, you could barely see the outfield from home plate. And I said, there's no way I'm playing here. <laughs> and then also when she found out architectural school had nothing to do with Legos. Right. Turns out you actually have to like build buildings and you can't just, there's not instructions that come with like, you know, red brick number four over here. There's none of those. Yeah. So it gets a little bit different. So now Mika, you've kind of become uh, through different things as, as everybody does in life, you know, uh, you know, understanding and getting a knowledge on different areas. And so I know recently you've kind of got some more knowledge on oil and gas and some of the interesting things that are happening around uh, with oil and gas. And so you know, you had mentioned a new, uh, different way of accounting for things. And I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not a, a huge expert in oil and gas. Um, but, you know, what have you kind of seen through some of the work that you've done? Sure. Well, full disclosure, I too am not a, an expert in oil and gas. And I think that um, a lot of people think that when you are a Texas attorney that you know something about it. Um, not not quite true. The right. first time I ever was exposed to oil and gas law was for the bar exam. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just a one day prep. They say, here's what you need to know. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, so 
yeah, recently we've had a lot of clients come come to us. Um, oftentimes there are clients that have probates going on. Mm-hmm. They're either they're administering a probate or they're a beneficiary of some sort um, who have oil and gas issues. And um, you know, being here in New Mexico and being on the border with Texas, that's always going to crop up because, um, especially in Southeast New Mexico and and um, kind of the Permian Basin, there's a mm-hmm. lot of that. Uh, a lot of that industry out there. So um, <clears throat> I didn't, we haven't had any um, really gnarly oil and gas litigation type things, but we've just had people coming to us asking, you know, can you help me get this division order? Apparently I inherited this, this mineral interest from, mm-hmm. you know, my dad, my mom, whoever, whoever it may be. Um, and uh, on the surface, it seems like it's a pretty straightforward process. Right. Uh, you know, oftentimes uh, energy companies, they just say, you know, give me the letters testamentary or give me the copy of the probate or the death certificate and we'll, we'll get this going for you. Um, but of course, it just depends on, uh, number one, the the division order analysts that you're dealing with. Some of them are, and I don't mean to disparage them, but some, some are more uh, competent in terms of how probate works than right. others. And so some don't understand that, um, at least in Texas, when you go through probate, that's that's enough to pass title. Right. Um, you know, titles already passed when you're getting to, to getting a division order. You're just saying, I already have this interest. Just make sure that that reflects accurately in your records. The right title so, and those kind of things. Exactly. The part on oil and gas that always gets me is like, you know, when you're talking about real estate law, mm-hmm. you get a meets and bounds. Here is my property. Right. This is for the, you know, the people viewing at home on YouTube. And that is how much property and this is. How much property <laughs> I literally have one piece of paper. <laughs> so the, you know, when you have a piece of, you know, this, and so they say, okay, it is this line followed by this line, followed by this line to this rod, to this stake, and it goes all the way around. And in oil and gas, it's not, I mean, you know, you'd say, well, I got this piece of land and you're drilling on my, you, right. you, you, you I've let you put a well on my property and I'm drilling underneath, but it's not that simple. No, and and oftentimes um, the surface estate and the mineral estate are severed. Um, you know, oftentimes uh, an owner of a mineral estate might not have any interest on on uh, the actual property that you can see with the naked mm-hmm. eye. Um, all of their interest is is underground um, and right. being pooled with with other interests in the area. So yeah, that that part of it can get confusing conceptually because. As you said, you're used to seeing meets and bounds and, and visualizing what that property looks like. But right. when your property is, you know, several feet in the earth, that it's hard. Well, um, especially with how they drill now, because used to the <laughs> old days, it was a, you know, they drilled straight down. And what somebody described to me was one of the great uh, things was that they said, with the way you used to drill was if you pictured the earth as a sponge, mm-hmm. right? Is that you used to drill straight down from the top of the sponge into it, and you tried to hit one of the little holes mm-hmm. in the sponge where there was air, which let's call it mm-hmm. oil, right? You try to do that, boop, oh, you, I hit this thing, and here comes all the oil coming out. Well, now what they've done is it, it goes down and it just spreads out, frack it, and so it's like it squeezed right. the sponge, so you don't have to hit the hole. You just, it squeezes it really hard. You just got to get close. And then it, boom, here comes all here comes all the oil. So you're right. If the three of us all have properties together, I might have the well on my property, but they might be drilling more on yours, y'all's side. Right. So it becomes a, well, whose is that? Exactly. Yeah. And that, that can get very confusing, especially when you, you're looking at, um, you know, a run sheet or records like that and everything is just in really small fractions that can get very confusing, especially for me, because people always ask me, well, why are you a lawyer? Cause I don't like numbers and I don't like blood. So <laughs> seeing all those numbers, I was like, 
okay, I'm uh, going to have to wrap my head around this first before I can help the client. But um, And then seeing David beat his head against the wall with some of the oil and gas stuff, that's caused blood, so <laughs> yeah. you don't want that either. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, um, and, you know, one thing that, that you, you kind of mentioned briefly in the intro about um, oil and gas and, and accounting, and this is one thing that I learned in helping out these clients, is there's um, uh, a method of accounting that is peculiar to the oil and gas industry, and it's called joint interest billing or jibs as one division order analyst called it um, which i think sounds much cooler but (laughs) um so basically this is a form of accounting that um like i said it's unique to the oil and gas industry and basically um a joint interest billing statement divides the revenues and expenses from a particular project among all its partners um and we had you know one particular client who did have this kind of uh expense to pay for because what ends up happening is when you have an interest like this, you're actually in a partnership with the energy company that's drilling. Um, And so with that being said, you have to pay your share of the expenses for drilling or, you know, in some cases, bringing that that oil to market to to be turned into crude and therefore turned into profit. Um, And so when, you know, one division order on us told me, well, I'm not going to give you the division order until you pay these $3,000 in jibs. I'm like, what, what is that? Why does he owe Right. I didn't realize that these were working interests and not just royalty interests where you have no um, no liability for, for the drilling expense. So, well, so I'm glad that you pointed that out because that's one thing that's always confusing to me is to when you have the royalty interest versus the working interest. So you kind of have an idea of how those are different? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, a very crude, crude explanation hey, of it is. Oh, uh, yeah, there nice. we go. Nice. <laughs> that was not intentional, but it worked. Um yeah, a very basic uh, explanation of it is, you know, when you have a royalty interest, you, you're not on the hook for the drilling expenses and the marketing expenses and that kind of thing. You're you're not in a partnership, if you will, with the energy company. You just have that right to to um, the money, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, for many people, that's preferable. Um, when you have a working interest, of course, you're going to get those jib statements and, and have to pay. And oftentimes those are accounted on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, Many times when when you do have a profit on that kind of interest, it's just going to get applied to your your billing balance, right. um, which is the case that I had with with a client. And so, um, you know, when it when it comes to planning, of course, I'm not an oil and gas uh, specialist, but we do do planning here at Beasley Legal. That's something that you really want to keep in mind when you're planning, because your your heirs or, or your beneficiaries might not know that your interests are working interests and it actually costs them money. Right. So. Um, you know, luckily my client was very understanding of that and, and what was going on and they still wanted the interest because it's still, it's still lucrative even, even having that, um, that jib to account for, but, right. um, definitely something that, that people should keep in mind as they are, um, you know, planning, planning for, for their estate. So, yeah. I mean, that's, and that's once again, going back to the stuff about planning with the estate, making sure that everybody knows, or somebody at least knows what all you have so that it gets transferred properly. Now, in, in the case where you're, where, where we look at it, if somebody has it in a trust, does that make it way easier to transfer than at that point because it's it's in a trust? Yeah, I think so, just because if you know that that trust is in existence and you can kind of direct all of your property there, it's easier for your, your heirs or your beneficiaries because they don't have to go looking in all of your documents to see, okay, what did she own or, you know, mm-hmm. where are her mineral interests. If you can just direct it there while you're still alive, it's much easier also, um, 
one thing that I think that is really important, not only to, to account for your own interests, but also to make sure that you know who you leased with, because these energy companies, they change so quickly. They, right. you know, a lot of these oil and gas leases have, have uh, terms in them where they're assignable. So an energy company might just say, well, I'm going to give it over to, you know, Star Energy over here. And, right. and I ran into that too, where I would call an energy company and they'd say, we don't have this interest anymore. It's been assigned or we merged with so-and-so or this, this wow. company went out of business. And so when, you know, trying to work backwards um, and, and track all of these things can be difficult. So, so you're saying all my Enron working interests that I'm sitting on, <laughs> you know, you may want to go check those gone. out. Yeah. Those might, <laughs> yeah. probably, probably haven't seen yeah. those. But along with the, along with the trust, um, I think one of the things is that if it's already titled in the trust, there is no need to change the ownership. All you're doing is when somebody passes away or something there, right. is you change who the trustee or possibly who the beneficiaries are. So who who is on their records and who is the record owner doesn't really change. And so it really facilitates getting that passed on to the next generation. So that's what we really work on. And, and in some cases, some states, I mean, Texas is pretty good. Um, um, New Mexico is, is, is decent. I've dealt with some in Oklahoma and depending on what county it was, it was just like trying to grasp at anything, trying to show ownership. And so it really gets tough. But if you can do it while you're living, it's much easier than your heirs trying to figure out after the fact where, where that came from. Well, and that's true of all the state planning, right, Mika? I mean, it's easier to do it when you're alive than let your heirs kind of mess with it when you're dead. Absolutely. And, and one thing that I think, well, first of all, I think a lot of people, they're hesitant to plan because they think about death and mm -hmm. death rate's still a hundred percent. Father so, times undefeated. Yes, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and two, another thing that I've, I've kind of encountered in just conversations with people is many people think that they don't have anything worth planning for. And that's just simply not true. Everyone has an estate. Um, this is not something just for the wealthy. Right. Um, and so it's, it's very important to, to get that done and to, to help out your family so that they know your wishes and it takes the guesswork out of it for them and can alleviate a lot of, um, you know, fighting or feelings of guilt, that kind of thing. Right. Cause so. if you had a small little working interest and everything else was pretty clean, then your entire estate could be eaten up by you just trying to transfer this working interest, right? fees and all this other stuff versus do some pre-planning, get in here, get some trust, get all that stuff taken care of. And that's where you would come in and help out. Right. Exactly. And, and one thing too, that, that I had, uh, that I experienced with another client is when you don't know what your interests are because you're kind of working backwards and trying to figure out, okay, what did, what did mom own when she was alive and, and how does this all shake out? It can be very expensive to get a title opinion. Um, we had to engage, uh, you know, professional landmen to help us out with a, with a certain interest. And, and that ran about $3,000 because right. they have to go back all the way to the patent to right. when the state of Texas actually said, here you go, have this land to see yeah where that went so you're, you're talking like santa anta santa anna <laughs> right like yes. davy crockett time <laughs> you know that <laughs> yeah when so it actually became had to a go state. to the alamo we had to go yes you had to right. go into the had alamo, to go to alamo. Had to go the files back there i remember seeing the one where there was this uh this is a the classic law deal i remember i see saw one of the emails on it where it was like this uh, uh new york attorney was trying to uh, procure title for their client in louisiana mm -hmm. and they're like, you know, we're really upset. We cannot, you know, we think we have clear title, but was dealing with a, a Louisiana attorney and says, hey, but we don't have any title records prior to 18, you know, 1824. You know, how do we know that we're okay? And they're like, so then they went through, he goes, well, in 1824, there's a Louisiana purchase. And so we went to, <laughs> and so they, went, they dated all the way back to the Magna Carta. 
Yep. <laughs> you know? right. so the was traced it all back because it's like I mean this is how far back you go. You know? Yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. so that's that's what's really interesting about that stuff. Yep. Well, Mika, thank you so much for. Uh, walking us through some oil and gas. Let's, let's talk about something else fun that Mika does. Some people may not know this, but Mika for Fun is part of uh, a group uh, of uh, fan supporters with the El Paso Locomotives, right? Correct. Yes. Um, our supporters group is called Eighth Notch. Um, eighth Notch. Eight, well, Notch 8 is the highest setting for speed on a locomotive. Oh, okay. So, sorry. I, I was thinking that it was like how many notches on the bedpost. I was like, <laughs> I, I think I will be on that one. <laughs> well, I, maybe for maybe for some of us. <laughs> so notch eight, you know, is is basically full speed on the locomotive. Exactly, and so that's that's, awesome. that's kind of our our mantra. We are full throttle, and and uh, we sit in section one hundred and five at Southwest University Park, and our job basically is to keep the energy high for ninety minutes. Um, for those of us who are uninitiated in soccer supporter culture, it's it's very different from any other sport. Right. I mean, we have flags um let's have smoke bombs smoke right? bombs yeah yeah so. i was we we were there and our seats are in the 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 you know i guess we might be like the, the second or third notch uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. section um you know um i'm i like to be closer to the bathroom and the beer um but Fair. but you know and so i remember watching and all of a sudden david and i were like there's smoke bombs oh my god is miko okay you know yeah and there's flags it was it just looked like a great time it, it's it's so much fun i mean of course it's it's more fun when we're winning um we are a, a brand new franchise in in usl uh, championship that's the name of the league it's the uh second division of soccer in the united states the first of course being mls um so yeah there's a lot of growing pains but it is a long season and um our coach is very uh he's He's very set on establishing a philosophy. And, of course, when you're trying to do that, it, it mm. takes a while for wins to get going because he wants to establish his style of play first. Now, is, so. is, is your coach probably the best-looking coach in the region? He's not bad. I mean, he's a <laughs> handsome man. Yep. Yeah, and, he, and he's quite young, too. He's, mm -hmm. he's in his 30s. So, right. um, But even with that being said, he's got a lot of experience um, coaching in, in the United States and in England as well. He, he played for a bit. So mm -hmm. I think we're in good hands. I think it's just up to to the supporters to to be patient um are we going to get are we going to get to see the rivalry between the el paso locomotives and maybe fc juarez is that game going to happen sometime because that would to me that would be like kablooey in the entire region yeah we uh, we did play a friendly against fc juarez and of course um people people know that they're under the same ownership group so um, well, they just they just sleep in the same bed. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> so they, we we are sister clubs in that way. Um, and mm -hmm. and Juarez is is definitely a an example that that I think Locomotive would like to follow because um, for those who don't know, Juarez made it to the Copa America fi final right. against uh, I think it was Cuba America, who right. are a storied Mexican club. So for them to make it that far is amazing and if they had won they would have actually gone into liga yeah yeah liga they, yeah, yeah promotion is mm -hmm. would have definitely been on the table for sure so um, then and, they're playing against atlas and americas and you know and cruz azul and the pumas and Rayados. You know, yeah everyone so. you, know, you know mika if you have the ear of the coach if you guys are able to get it and he's trying to establish this philosophy i would suggest you know with my experience that i have coaching you know, major soccer. I, mean, I think <laughs> nine U. I think right now is U ten. U U ten. Sorry, we're we're been up, but but I do have a coaching license of sorts. Right. Um. That the one thing I think he could really help out his philosophy is kind of what we do, which is oranges at halftime and snacky poos at the end of the game. 
<laughs> and I think that would that's, really help the culture of you know, these guys to do it. Well, see, and that's what I think is so funny. Like, if I was doing the soccer, I'd be like, all right, our halftime orange sponsors are brought to you by Minute Maid, yes. you know, or something like that. Like, I mean, why, yes. why not? Well, just, we have Hadid, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's there you true. go. They give yeah. them out so. at the end of the game, and the, the training kits are Haritos. So. So, so when we left the last one, my son walked out, and he's he, they handed him the Haritos, and it was a mango one. He goes, Dad, is this spicy Mexican soda? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. Try it. And he goes, Ooh, it's really good. Oh, good, <laughs> he, good, good. Was, he was so excited. He was just so excited. It's super fun. Well, awesome, Mika. Well, like I said, I love talking soccer and like I said, love the, the presentation of oil and gas. And so thank you so much for joining us today. And we'll stick around for these uh, rest of these segments. Once again, you're listening to the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Beasley Mitchell and Company. And now we're heading off to my favorite segment, If Brad Ruled the World. Time for if Brad ruled the world. And now we're going to bring on our producer, Natalie, to guide us through if Brad ruled the world. Hello. All right. So this is if Brad ruled the world. So, Brad, I will be asking you five questions regarding your choices if you were ruler of the world. Okay. That's implying that I'm not. So. Kind of ruined. Well, you already oh. think you are. I'm, right. And, this and is then. just the stroking <laughs> of the ego section. Yes. Okay, keep yeah. going. Yeah. You make a little continue. bit of both. Yes. You make All continue. right. So, question number one St. Matthew of Apostle fame is the patron saint of accountants, bookkeepers, and tax collectors. Before becoming an apostle, he was a tax collector. If you could name anyone as the new saint of accountants, who would it be and why? Well, first of all, my middle name is Matthew, so I am named after the patron saint of accounting. So, you know. Funny how that all worked out. Uh, also something that gets walked on. Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm at. <laughs> this is just a wow. really striking brag you go. It's a good thing. I got a lot to spare. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, if I had a new patron saint of accounting, you said? Yes. Okay. If I had a new patron saint of accounting. Well, I mean, you know, St. Frito. St. Frito? St. Frito. St. Frito of chili pie? Of chili pie. Yes, that would be the... Probably the new patron saint. Love it. Yes, absolutely. Love it. I'm not surprised. <laughs> All right. Number two. There are more words in the tax code than there are in the Bible. The tax code is approximately 4 million words long. If you had to choose one book to be read by everyone in your world, what would it be and why? That's an amazing factoid, David. Did you know that factoid? I th- think I remember hearing that, but th- I'm, that, that <laughs> there's more <laughs> takes more words to explain the code than... The Book of Life. The Book of Life and, <laughs> and entire, you know, Catholicism, Catholic, yeah. you know, Christianity yeah. deal. Okay. Um, There's no Gutenberg tax code either. John Gutenberg? <laughs> Not John Gutenberg. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the one book that I would probably have everybody read, um, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm a, I've become a big Timothy Ferris fan lately. I've read a lot of his books, 4-Hour Work Week. Um Tools of Titans, Tribe of Mentors, you know, all these books that he has. And they're just, they're just fantastic. I really think that if people actually read 4-Hour Workweek, it would change a lot of the, the thought process of how everybody kind of viewed how we're supposed to, to function in society. And it's not about only working four hours. That's, not, that's the funny part about the book is that it's not about just how to work four hours. So it's false advertising. It is false advertising. But it's about how to work smarter and having and setting, and setting goals and trying to understand what is good debt, what is bad debt. And all those kind of things. So it's just really interesting. David, do you have a favorite book that you would have everybody read? 
Um, Cat in the Hat. Cat in the Hat. I mean, uh, honestly, Cat in the Hat is a pretty good book because you know it was, I think that was written on a dare or a challenge to be able to write a kids' book, a full story without using you know big words, and so you actually have a good story with small small words. So that is a good one. Um, I I kind of like the Freakonomics. Right, that's I think a good one. Freakonomics is is a good one that that kind of kind of shows you some different things to think on about. My list still that, haven't gotten around to it. Mika, you got anything? Favorite book. Um, I'd have to say that it's a book called Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby. Oh, okay. Um, some people might be familiar with the baseball movie Fever Pitch that was adapted from that book, but that book is actually a book about soccer, of course, about um, uh, the author's relationship with Arsenal Football Club growing up. And it's That's... not just a soccer book. It's a, it's a memoir, and it's it's funny. It's sad. It, it's got everything in there. Even for, for people who are not fans, it's just it's a good read. Um Nick Hornby also wrote High Fidelity, which is that movie with uh, John Cusack, if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so, probably be mine. So nobody went with 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 Fox and Socks, Fox <laughs> no. and Socks and Box on Locks. No, Knocks on Box on Socks on Fox. Not really. I was no. gonna go with All oh, the Places You'll Go. Is that the Doctor Seuss? Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. uh, that's mm-hmm. a great that's one. A good one. Yes, yes, the classic, uh, you know, graduation gift from everybody. <laughs> right, that's always a good one. Cool. All right. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So, question number three. Too many people have begun to travel and the world and the people of the world are asking you to create a new form of travel besides planes, trains, and automobiles. What new form of travel are you creating? Oh, I would definitely go with teleportation. Is that that or is that the one that you read your mind? Is tele- teleportation is where you transfer, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Teleportation. Okay. I think telekinesis. Telekinesis. Okay. I wouldn't do that one. That's yeah. where you move objects, right? Tele- with your mind. Okay. Sure. Okay. Yeah. okay. You guys are so smart. <laughs> just I would go with sure. teleport because I think that's just a lot easier. It's like I would rather not be here. I'd rather be there. And so then, boom, we could just get teleported wherever we needed to go. And so that makes it a lot easier. You don't have to necessarily worry about uh, maybe security as much or whatever it is because you're kind of getting sent to where you are. Now, the downside is, is there, I would assume there'd have to be some type of teleportation blocker mechanism. So I can't just like teleport into Fort Knox. <laughs> And grab some gold and get teleported back out. Yep. Um, uh, knocks and socks and box and box. Yes. Um, but no, you know, or I think. Or into like a Swiss bank. A Swiss your choice. Bank. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, there's a little bit of regulations, obviously, that would need to get written around this. But I like teleportation. What about you? I'd like the idea of teleportation, but I look at the way that my fast food handled and I look at the way that my luggage is handled. And I would be scared of like my head going one way and my legs going another way. And all of a sudden, like spaceballs. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> spaceballs. Yes. yes. Your head's on backwards or something there when it comes out. Why didn't somebody tell me my butt was this big? Yes. All right. <laughs> yes. No. Mika, what about you? I I mean, anytime someone has asked me what's what superpower would you have, I always said teleportation. So yeah. I I have to agree with you there. I think it'd be lovely to just say, okay, well, I get out of work at, you know, 530 going to Paris tonight. I'll be there at 531. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> as, as you mentioned that, and as I was thinking through this whole process, is then what well, kind of becomes... It then it seems like all these fun places would then just be excessively crowded because I don't think anybody's being like, you know where I'm going to go? Them in New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go there tonight. Well, except for the duck races and tortilla toss. Right. Yeah. David is the tortilla tossing champion. So yes. three time right. defending yes. champion. Yes. So, all right. All right. Question number four. NASA has donated $1 billion for you to begin research in space. What are you choosing to research? The effects of gra- of no gravity on chili cheese fries. Oh, that's true. That's true. 
Sorry, chili cheese fritos. One billion taste. dollars. A billion dollars. Well, I mean, we'd spend a little bit of money on that. But I, I still am fascinated by the thought of, of, of life on other planets. And, you know, they've seen microbes and by in some of these things in, in, on the moon. And they've seen stuff on Mars that you go, well, there's got to be something else that's out there somewhere. But just the idea of what does that look like? And, you know, of course, we immediately go to, well, us. It's going to look like it. Well, no, not necessarily. It could look completely different. But I, just the idea of, like, is there really a something else out there? And, you know, right now we, we, we measure everything in the speed of light. And so that we can't, oh, you know, all the math and stuff says it's impossible to go faster than the speed of light. Well, you know, rewind 200 years we th- or 100 and even 150 years, we thought it was impossible to go faster than the speed of sound. We thought that you just you'd, you'd implode once you hit the mm-hmm. speed of sound, and so it's like, is that really, is that the end? Is really the speed of light the end, or is there like a speed of gamma rays? Or yeah, something. is there something faster that you go? And so I mean, it's just it's a, you know, that that's what I would really take because I think that it'd be fun to Star Trek and explore and just figure out what the heck else is out there because it's crazy world. I watched I, I I watched the Science Channel at night all. I'm really nerdy with that. So. Well, I I saw a um uh, a great mem that was wondering if. You know, maybe there's all these other aliens out there, but when they, you know, whenever they drive past Earth, they just roll up their window and, and, and try to get out of that neighborhood. <laughs> click, click, lock. <laughs> click, lock. <laughs> just keep moving. Maybe they'll come down and gentrify Earth. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bless us with their presence. Yes. <laughs> all right. So the final question on the topic of space. So aliens from Mars have spoken, and they are challenging the people of your world to one game of any kind where winner takes all. What game are you playing? One game, winner take all. Madden '93. Madden '93. Uh, uh, in in NHL hockey '96. Yes. Or what is it uh, with Gretzky? The one where swingers were there. Yes. Playing on there. Gretzky <laughs> and Jeremy Roenick. Um, I mean, I I would think that, gosh, it'd be hard because you have we have no idea what their athletic skill set is or whatever it happens to be. I mean. You know, I'd like to say football, but if they're bigger and faster, we're going to be in a lot of trouble, you know, with, with football. Um, maybe something like chess? See, my thought is if we if they came here, they're probably smarter than us. Okay, so chess is out. And they're probably more athletic or at least superior built on there. So we need something. So we're talking baseball. Yeah, or like beer pong. Beer pong. Beer pong. <laughs> something where the Flip skill up. is very, very low. You know, come on, think about this. You know, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to shoot too high. Yes, we, we need something that's very beer pong. There. Yes, I like that one. Yes. Beer pong, beer pong. I like it. Maybe an eating contest. Well, they may have like eat. four stomachs. Oh, true. true. So, and yeah, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm thinking something with very, very low skill, like yes. curling. Yeah, so you're willing <laughs> human curling, yes. human, curling. human curling, beer pong. Awesome. Yes, and I am willing Tortilla to risk the entire, I, I am, I am willing to risk the entire human race on a beer pong. On so. beer pong, you're gonna have some guy with a mullet. That is yes. going to represent the world. <laughs> Joe Dirt saves the earth. That's, <laughs> that's a movie. I got your copyrights right here. Well, uh, I think we're done stroking my ego with it. Brad ruled the world. So now we'll here with uh, move on to David's favorite segment, David's Legal Corner. The information contained on David's Legal Corner is provided as a general public service. The listeners, if any, are advised to check for changes to current law and to consult with an attorney. David's Legal Corner does not accept, review or consider any unsolicited ideas, works, materials, suggestions, artwork, 
Content, proposals, denials, reproposals, redenials, third attempts or third rejections of such third attempts of such proposals or denials, or the like, including but not limited to, for advertising campaigns, promotions, products, services, technologies, product enhancements, facial enhancements, personal enhancements, CGI enhancements, processes, marketing strategies, product names, content, creative materials, not so creative materials, building materials, really bad materials, fabric materials, or material girls living in a material world. However, if your idea is really really good, David's Legal Corner will give you a shout out and mad props, as life, in general, is probably better having such idea in existence. I don't know where you come up with these, but I love them. So this one, I ran across this um, looking at some new Apple products and, you know, you never read all the things that, that are, are really in that pamphlet that you get when you get a new iPad, when you get a new product of any kind. And one thing I came across was that Apple has an unsolicited idea submission policy. Okay. So in this policy, it mainly tells you don't send us any ideas for new, for new things. We don't really review them. We don't look them out. So we're not going to. So if you came up and said, I wanted to have an I hot dog that lets you, you know, get hot dogs whenever you want or, you know, something else, a new, Shh. a new thing there. It's a great idea. So <laughs> here's what you agree to if you do send them an idea. You agree that one, your submission and the contents along with the related intellectual property will automatically become the property of Apple without any compensation to you. Two, Apple may use or redistribute the submission and their contents for any purpose in any way on an unrestricted basis. Three, there's no obligation for Apple to review the submission. And four, there's no obligation to keep anything confidential. So don't send anything. Don't to send anything to Apple. <laughs> or, or don't be like that guy that'd be like, I told him to do the I face do. ID. That was my yeah. idea. Like when I saw yeah. the iPod, I could have kicked myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So, so it's a heads, heads they win, tails tails we lose. Yes, yeah. So that's that's there. I I I don't know if anybody's actually. I'm sure people have have challenged things on that, but that's that's their idea. And I just found it a very interesting policy for them to to have that. And, and be so is, it, is it an affirmative? Is it an affirmative agreement, or is it one of those by using this product you agree to X? It's by submitting an idea to them. There, then you are doing that. So there's they said we can welcome feedback. But if you said in the feedback that, hey, I'm using your, your iPad, this is great. Why don't you have an extension so I can carry it around my neck? And all of a sudden now we have the new iNeck mm -hmm. thing that comes on there. They don't have to compensate you for that. So don't give them any suggestions. And is, is that policy easily accessible? Because, I mean, my first thought is, is, is that enough notice? I mean, do you just pull that up from their website or? Yeah, this was just right on their website. I, I was kind of just scrolling around and, and came across this. Okay. Um, but it's one of those that, you know, most of us, when they get those, all those things at the end that says you have to agree to, to get to the next thing. Like last night I was installing a new video game since it's after taxis and I have a chance to go play a video game and it's just accept, 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 accept. <laughs> Sometimes you wonder what you're accepting and that is one of them. Yeah, see, I always wonder on any of those because I mean, I I just do the same thing. I just blow through and just say, yeah, I agree to you know terms of service, and you know, once again, another South Park episode where they talked about agreeing to the terms of service, and it was really bad. But you know, it's it's, I guess this is the world we have to live in, right? I guess this is because you guys are the attorneys. I'm outnumbered in the studio today, two to you know, uh, you know, two to one. But I guess this is the attorneys protecting Apple, but then also protecting people from suing Apple from saying I gave you that idea and those kind of things, right? Yeah, they're trying to make a claim that even if you did give us that idea, by giving it to us, you already agreed to make it our idea. 
and I'm sure even if you wanted to challenge it, you're going to arbitration first. I mean, that's an industry standard at this point. Right. So. Yeah, and it's kind of tough to take on Apple. They have a little bit more money than the average person. Just a little Just bit. Just a little. <laughs> I think their market cap was like seven, like nine hundred billion or something. Did you see there was a there was a deal that uh, a troll deal that uh, Bill Gates did on somebody as they posted a uh, a tweet. You can probably find it and pull it up, where this guy said, "Okay, using the money that's excuse me, using the money that's in your bank account, what Apple product could you buy?" Right. That's what the that's what the guy said. And it went out, and one of the person that responded was Bill Gates, and it just said Apple. <laughs> and that is 100 nice. true i nice. was like that's great yeah. that's great and this guy was going for oh i could buy an ipad or you know seven iWatches or whatever it is and he's just like apple i can buy a 99 cent imagine, app. <laughs> imagine that hostile takeover that might that would change the world <laughs> yeah i thought that was pretty funny <laughs> i was like that's really good cool um, so cool well that's awesome those are i've never read that stuff david but that's always really interesting so uh, thanks for David's Legal Corner, brought to you by Beasley Legal. Once again, you're listening to the We Are Money podcast, brought to you by Beasley Mitchell & Company. And now we're heading to segment five, the best code ever. Fibonacci Binary The Internal Revenue Code what will it allow? The best code ever now. The best code ever now. All right, so now we're to the best code and send it back over to our producer, Natalie. All right, so for the best code ever, what I'm going to be doing is I will be providing you all three sets of four laws. Three of these laws are true and one of them is fake. So the aim of the game is to try and guess which law is the fake law. Got it. All right. So set number one, the first law. The use of confetti is strictly prohibited in Mobile, Alabama. Number two. In Arizona, it is illegal to feed cows waste without a permit unless you are raising the cows for your own consumption. Number three. In Arkansas, it is illegal for a pinball machine to give away more than 25 free games to a player who keeps winning. And finally, number four, in California, it is illegal to eat a frog that dies during a frog jumping contest. Wow. Okay. I usually can get one of these that, that just kind of sticks out, but I'm just I'm trying to figure out which one is which. Um, I can see the Arizona one being true, probably. Mm -hmm. Arkansas pinball... And California is just crazy enough to have a, a silly law like that. I think I'm going to go with the confetti being illegal in Mobile, Alabama. David? I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, pinball one. I think you can have it give more. Okay. I think the confetti one is reasonable because it's like a pollution type thing. I think I'm going to go with the pinball one. Okay. All right. So none of you got it. The oh. false law is that in Arizona, it's illegal to uh, feed cows waste without a permit. So it's actually illegal to feed um, pigs waste without a permit. You can feed your cows. You feed your cows whatever you want. Yeah, not your pigs. <laughs> so if it says Arizona fed beef, you don't want it. <laughs> yes, yeah. it, you don't know what has been fed that beef. <laughs> okay, good <Gross>. to know. <laughs> but the bacon's okay. <laughs> yeah, the bacon's fine. Okay, well, Arizona bacon. There yeah. you go. Yeah, why not? So with the pinball machine, it's interesting. Um, it's an attempt to prohibit machines that encourage gambling. 
So that's why it's illegal. So um, if you've ever seen our father play pinball, it is not gambling. That is that is skill. Skill. It is scary skill. Is it really? Is yes. He, really he, he is like the pinball wizard guy. So this really? is how bad it was. Is that we had uh, we still well, still have my parents still have um, the Harlem Globetrotter pinball game, and it stopped at a million points. So mm-hmm. like the screen reset. Like it only goes to nine 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 nine. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he reset it so many times that we actually have it written in pencil, like 2 million and, you know, 2 million, 38,000 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's yeah. one, one game. Yeah. One game. Over Christmas, we went to like a castles and coasters place at, um, in, in Phoenix. And we went through like three cards of video game, of video game tokens. He went through like three playing and he played these pinball things for like 30 minutes. <laughs> Awesome. Well, keep him away from Arkansas. Yes, yes, we will. (laughs) All right. So the second set of laws, number one. In Colorado, it is illegal to modify the weather without a permit. So, for example, some ski resorts burn silver iodine on the slopes, which simulates precipitation, creating a fresh sheet of powder for skiers and snowboarders. So that would be illegal. Okay. Number two, in Connecticut, it's illegal to sell any term papers or essays in an education facility supervised by the state. Okay. Number three, in Delaware, it is illegal to sell, barter, or offer the fur of a lamb. And finally, number four, in Hawaii, it is illegal to have a billboard. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm going to go Connecticut selling term papers. I think I was going to go Connecticut, but more for the selling essays. Cause, I mean, well, here you sell essays. Essays. Okay. All right. Mika? I don't know. How else do people get through Yale? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, because their parents paid for them to get yeah, in. Their right? parents <laughs> get on the rowing team. That's, <laughs> that's on the rowing true. Team. Yes. I think I'm going to go for Delaware, the fur of a lamb. That seems odd. Okay, you are correct. All right. All right. That's fake. <laughs> but it is illegal to sell, barter, or offer the fur of a domesticated cat or dog, which seems reasonable. Yeah. yeah. There- okay. So, I mean, you know, I don't want a dog skin cap. I mean, you know. It has to be a domesticated cat or dog. I don't know if I knew. So if it was stray, that'd be just fine. Stray is okay, but if somebody takes it. Oh, my God. There's nothing better than a Cocker Spaniel uh, hat. Cocker Spaniel fur hat. You know, wild. Scarf. Wild Wild Cocker Spaniel. Spaniel. Yeah, it has to be wild. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, goodness. All right. My wild Chihuahua suit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So for our last set of laws, number one. In Idaho, cannibalism is strictly prohibited except under life-threatening conditions where it is the only apparent means of survival. Number two, in Illinois, it is illegal to possess more than $600 worth of salamanders. Number three, in Indiana, it is illegal for liquor stores to sell soda, water, or anything other than alcoholic beverages. And finally, number four, in Louisiana, the popular dish gumbo is not subject to sanitary codes. Okay, I can believe that in Louisiana. I can believe the liquor sales in Indiana not having soda and water. I've, I've, I've been to Indiana. They're about liquor and liquor stores. Um, I'm going to go with the Illinois $600 salamanders. I'm hoping that... Um... I think it's just Idaho. I think that one, because I think cannibalism is just, I don't think there's that caveat on it. 
I think I'm going to agree because I'm trying to picture where that, what code that would be in. The criminal code? Cannibalism? I don't know. I you guys are the, so the smart. Food, the food and drug. <laughs> yeah, food and drug. I was so scared writing these because I'm like, Mika and David are going to be on it, man. Like, well, we are doctors attorneys. of laws. Doctors of laws. Doctors of laws. Just doctors? <laughs> yes. I thought it was just doctors. Just doctors. It's kind of, yeah. Just okay. doctors. So which one is it? All right. So this one was kind of a trick one. So the fake law is that in Louisiana, the popular dish gumbo is not subject to any laws or to any sanitary codes, but it's actually jambalaya. Oh. So, but when it says that, it they said that it means that it's not subject to, you, or you can use iron pots and wood fires. So I guess in any other circumstance, you right. normally can't. So that's the exception. Oh, so I, I think it's not as disgusting as it sounds. Because oh. they're probably so they figure they're probably using very old like kitchenware to make I, I these things so. in some so, of the older restaurants and things mm -hmm. like that. Okay, so, so if it's a yeah. traditional style. So what that means is that in Idaho, you can eat somebody if you're really, really, really hungry. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. if it's a necessity. I'm I'm kind of hungry right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I re remain chubby is because there'd be a lot of fat. You wouldn't want. The, Kind of tough to chew. Me. Well, that's why I ate a lot of chili too, because I don't want me to be me. They'd be like, oh, he's too spicy. Spicy. It's spicy. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a lot of flavor in them. And but all his chili cheese Fritos make him crunchy. See, that just makes me think that they had some kind of case where they had to consider that, and the legislature had to make a law like that. That's bizarre. Yeah. There's there probably some group that was eating people. Yeah, and they were like, it was out of necessity. Wow. <laughs> Gosh. Wow. I'm just thinking Donner Party, but not right. Donner Party and all that stuff. Well, awesome. Always a fun show. Mika, thank you so much for joining us today. It's always a great time to have you, and uh, good luck with the El Paso locomotives. And Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. And good luck fun. trying to understand oil and gas uh, law stuff. So once again, we are the We Are Money podcast brought to you by Visa Mitchell and Company, and thanks to Visa Legal, our legal sponsor for David's Legal Corner. So until then, talk to you soon.